Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. And I am here today with a very special podcast that I have wanted to do forever. And it is with um, a licensed psychotherapist. I go to therapy. I've talked about it ad nauseum. And this is not my therapist. I think um, somebody, some people thought that it was, but we're going to talk about psychotherapy. I'm going to give you the definition. I'm going to um, tell you some things that you could benefit from if you go to therapy. And then we are going to talk to Jorel Carabello, a licensed mental health counselor trained in psychological counseling with a BA in psychology, um, a master's and I don't know what that other degree is, Jarrell, the EDM. <laughs> yeah, it's a two different masters. <laughs> two Fancy. different master's degrees <laughs> in psychological counseling. He's in New York and um, Jarrell, you may as well just say hello. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, so I'm so glad that you could be on and um, I won't put you on the spot, but I'll just I'm, I'm going to read my definitions and then you and I are going to talk about therapy. We have a lot of um, listener questions, so I'm excited about this podcast today. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. OK, so it says through psychotherapy, psychologists help people of all ages live happier, healthier and more productive lives. In psychotherapy, psychologists apply scientifically validated procedures to help people develop healthier, more effective habits. There are several approaches to psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral, interpersonal and other kinds of talk therapy that help individuals work through their problems. Psychotherapy is a collaborative treatment based on the relationship between an individual and a psychologist. Grounded in dialogue, it provides a supportive environment that allows you to talk openly with someone who's objective, neutral, and non-judgmental. You and your psychologist will work together to identify and change the thought and behavior patterns that are keeping you from feeling your your best. By the time you're done, you will not only have solved the problem that brought you in, but you will have learned new skills so you can better cope with whatever challenges arise in the future. Signs that you could benefit from therapy include, um, sorry, you feel an overwhelming, prolonged sense of helplessness and sadness. Your problems don't seem to get any better despite your efforts and help from family and friends. You find it difficult to concentrate on work assignments or to carry out other everyday activities. You worry excessively, expect the worst, or constantly on edge. Your actions, such as drinking too much alcohol, using drugs, or being aggressive are harming others. So these are just the very basic, if you Google what is psychotherapy, that is what it'll say. So Jarrell, thank you for coming on, and let's talk about this. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. I, of, I'm just thrilled to be here and be a part of this. So I'm excited. So Jarrell, I met Jarrell as main man blog. So he is um, yeah. a natural hair enthusiast. And then I saw him at a photo shoot where I was reminded that he also does this. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to have <laughs> you on. So how long have you been? And would you call, would you consider yourself a psychotherapist? Is that how you label yourself or? Yeah, I, I sort of go with the the therapist moniker just because I think um, psychotherapist is a little old school and I've learned that for some, <laughs> for some folks, they like that term just feels icky okay. and, and therapists might feel a little bit better. So recently, okay. and this has been a change for me too. So okay. recently I've been like, Oh, I'm a therapist. Um, okay. it just kind of rolls better in conversation. I think. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, right. It's like a therapist is like a manicure or getting your hair done or right. anything. It's just somebody, a trainer, those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how long have you been doing this? Yeah. I've been practicing. I've been practicing for about six years now. Okay. Um, I, I'm actually, so I'm in New York City now. I'm actually originally from North Carolina and I came up to New York City for grad school. And oh, wow. so, yeah, I came up, moved up to New York City, had basically only visited for maybe like a day or two before that. Uh, moved here, got a job, started grad school for counseling to be a therapist. And um, I've been practicing ever since. I've worked in mostly not-for-profit agencies. It's like okay. booming here in the city. There's so many services, so many organizations and agencies. And so I've worked with um, older adults who are, you know, maybe more disabled, 
um, okay. who are living off of public assistance, who um, sort of require daily medication. Okay. I've worked with young adults who are LGBT. Um, I've worked uh, in private practice as well, and that's what I'm doing now. So I see people on a face-to-face basis, but also do some virtual counseling too. Oh, wow. So, awesome. Yeah. Okay. And my therapy story, uh, for those of you that don't know, I started going to therapy about, it's been over four years now. So if I'm 37, I started at 33. Um, and I started going at the recommendation of a friend. I went to therapy once while I was in college for just a couple of visits. And then um, after starting Curlbox, I th- I definitely wasn't prepared for like the sort of wave of emotion um, Mm. that hit me. And I think it was, it was a combination of things. It was, um, I had convinced myself that the reason why I wasn't happy was because I hadn't like achieved my greatest goal and then I achieved it and I still wasn't happy. In fact, I felt worse. Mm. Um, and that was difficult. And I could tell that like my friends were getting sick of hearing me talk about it. You know, (laughs) it's like everybody is looking at you like you did the thing that everybody wants to do. And all you want to do is complain about how miserable you are. I was I got a new um, home, still would be staring out the windows, miserable. And then I was like, well, maybe I I need a new car. Got the new car, still miserable. Still didn't do it. (laughs) Still didn't do it. Um, Maybe I'm not going enough places. So I start traveling, still didn't do it. Mm. And then it was like, you know, it's because I haven't bought the clothes or the bags that I've always wanted. That's what's, that's it. Still wasn't doing it. So that's when I was referred to a therapist by a friend um, who uh, does private practice and I, she has a job, but she also practices privately. And I've been going and continuing to go almost as if, and you can tell me if this is wrong. I have felt like some people have a goal weight when they're working out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they reach their goal weight and they're like, you don't, you can't stop working out once you reach the goal <laughs> weight. So yeah. even though I got to a point where she kind of helped me out of that darker period, I have really enjoyed the sort of maintenance aspect of it. Yeah. I, and I think that's something I, I talk to a lot of people about that. Um, usually people end up in therapy in some sort of crisis and right. that does, you know, like that doesn't have to mean that there was like necessarily like a traumatic event or not, but it, you're in like emotional crisis. Like you don't know what to do anymore. And mm-hmm. for some folks, like they come into the office and they say, I have this very specific thing that I need to fix or feel better about. Help me do it. And for a lot of people that works, um, for other people. And this is what I found more as I've practiced is that it's, Therapy can be that safe space where mm-hmm. you can have that maintenance, where you can have that time to just focus on you and like and connect with yourself and get like some feedback. And so ongoing, it can be a really positive uh, thing to do as well. So again, like you said, it's not just that you stop working out after you hit your goal weight. It's like, okay, so now I'm here. What what else do I do I want something else from this experience? Do I can I stop? Do I maybe I'll pause for a little bit or do I keep going because I like this. This is my trainer. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. Like I remember asking my therapist, I was like, so are you going to like, let me know when I'm done? Like when the, (laughs) when the oven goes off and it's time for me to quit. And she sort of just said like, you know, it's, we, we, we met at 33 years, you know, we met at 33 years of stuff Um, to think that we can be, you know, kind of, fix it or whatever Mm -hmm. in a year or in a week or a month um, is kind of like unreasonable. So I now, I remember the first time I went to therapy and I felt, and I didn't have any drama and I was Mm -hmm. like, I was worried like, Oh God, what are we going to, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) What are we going to talk about? I'm just going to stare at you. (laughs) Yeah. And, and no, it was, I mean, now most of the times when I go, I'm not in any particular crisis, but it's just like talking about things that I am progressing on things that, you know, I have gotten better at a lot of things, but when I say gotten better, I'm, I've gotten 20 or 30% better. And so it's nice to see myself get 50 and 60% better, you know? And, and in some places you, it's like there are some things that you you know that I have struggled with for years you know that I'm still struggling with um well I think that that speaks to just the idea of like 
the the work is never done. Mm-hmm. Like we're people and we're always sort of continually growing and encountering new things. So, you know, sometimes it's nice to have that support that's like, okay, like what do I do? Or um, I'm 20% better, but I think I still want another tool or another, another little step. Like, what do you think? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to uh, ask some reader questions. We have a lot and they are, they are really good. So the cool. first one is, it's a very simple question and it is, how do I know if a therapist is right for me? Mm. <laughs> what a do you think? simple question, but a difficult Yes. Like a, a difficult thing to assess. Like, yes. Yeah. So my, <clears throat> my like default position on this is that there are so many different therapists. I mean, depending on your area, obviously. Right. Um, there are different therapists with different sort of perspectives and philosophies, different schools of thought. I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to your sort of initial impressions of this person is that do you feel like you can sit across from this person and feel okay about that? Like whatever their energy is, whatever their um, perspective is, whatever their philosophy is, whatever they look like, like, can you, do you feel okay sitting across from this person as a person? And that's sort of where I start with people, you know, and I, and people come to me and I tell them, you know, right out of the gate, like you, I may or may not be the best person to help you. And okay. that's okay. Right. Like, let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, we have to feel each other out too, you know? Right. Yeah. I, people ask me that question all the time. And mm-hmm. I, when I tell you that I just feel incredibly blessed um, mm-hmm. to have like the first therapist I got, I know that when I was in college, I know that it wasn't long-term. She was very hardcore, but at the time it was what I needed and it worked, you yeah. know? Um, but the current therapist that I have, I feel um, a friend who was in therapy, her therapist referred this therapist based on what my friend told her about me. And so mm-hmm. she came a little bit recommended, which was nice, but yeah. it was sort of like the first few meetings were kind of like, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. but over the years, four years, um, I feel so lucky to, she is a woman of color. Um, she is a little bit older. I don't even know how old she is. It's like, I don't, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it's this thing of like, I can talk about anything and I feel like she's never like perplexed at anything that I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It is just this comfort of like, she, like sometimes I would ask myself, I t- like, I'll tell her, like, she's the kind of person that I would like, I would, I would hang out with her. I would think, right. you know, like yeah. I, I would have a drink with you or, you know, get a glass of wine. Yeah. So, um, but I think, I guess the deeper question, Jarrell is, um, how, how long, like how many visits do you think someone should give before they know? Or do you think sometimes people may mm-hmm. know just right away? That that's a good question. I think, um, usually the way I sort of think about it in my mind, and I think how a lot of therapists think about it is that for some people, I think a small portion of people, they'll know right away. It's kind of, you know what? Let me step back. It's kind of like dating. Right. Right. Okay. So, okay. So you go on the first date, (laughs) which it might be like coffee or a cocktail and that's all you're sort of planning on. Right. You're like, okay, I need a quick exit just in case. I don't know. And so like that first session is kind of like a first date. It's like, okay, can I actually Mm. just sit with you for whatever amount of time that you're sitting together? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is like, okay, can, um, you know, can I actually talk to you about things? Like, what do I feel like I understand where you're coming from? Do you understand where I'm coming from um, in the simplest of terms? And so I think that while some people know like, oh, I'm going to love this person on the first date, most people take maybe two to three dates to say like, okay, is this going to be a thing? Is it not going to be a thing? So I think of that similarly with therapy. I'm like, by the the third meeting, you Uh probably know. Okay. Right. By second or third time, you probably know. And either you need to like cut it off or say like, listen, I don't think we're the best match. Do you have recommendations for other therapists you think might work for me? And a good therapist is going to be like, okay, cool. I got you. 
Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Right. Okay. Awesome. So next question is how important is it for our therapist to look like us? You know, uh, someone wrote me that said that people Mm. constantly write her. She has a, a website resource that I have forgotten. And it's like people ask for my help to find a black therapist. Uh, my first I've had three was an old white lady and she changed my world. Her name was Jane. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I think it kind of depends on the person seeking yeah. therapy okay. because so, <clears throat> and I also think it depends on like if like race or it could really be any sort of like role, right. Or like mm-hmm. identity, like how central is that to whatever you're bringing to the table? Right. right? So if I'm, you know, seeking out a therapist, like I'm personally someone who's very social justice minded. Like I obviously I'm a natural hair enthusiast, enthusiast. So I have very strong feelings about the black experience, people of color. And so I know that I need to have someone who's sort of aligned in that respect because I don't want to spend my time sort of convincing them right. that they should think a certain way about these things or um, they should view black people this way or, you know, right. and so, so for me, I might say, yeah, I think I need a, a person of color that I can sit across from because there's nuance that comes with yes. someone having that a similar experience. Yep. Um, but for other people, I think that, you know, it, it may not be that strong a factor. Like you could say, I just need to talk to someone who has expertise in this issue, for instance, like, oh, like someone who's worked with ADHD or anxiety. Okay. And that's more important to me than to have someone who I can talk about um, sort of like what it's like to be a black man walking the streets of New York City, for instance. Gotcha. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, um, because my therapist is a black woman, Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, I just, I settled in with her sort of like right away, you know, it's just, I don't know. I think it was this thing of like, we've never hugged, but I felt like (laughs) in the eye contact, I felt hugged, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel hugged Mm -hmm. still to this day. Like, you know, or it's so funny. I remember the first time, she said to me, um, uh, I remember the first time she said to me, like, you do a great job, <laughs> you know? Mm. And I just started crying. Like, yeah. you know, it was just this thing of like, I don't know. I have thought that I've done a good job and it was just like, but maybe nobody has ever said that to me and I believed it. And it was just like these things of like the things that when she says these things to me, I just start, start sobbing because I'm like, Oh my God, I feel hugged. So whenever people ask, I don't know, but I do feel very comfortable. And I, I think I felt comfortable right away with her. Yeah. Well, and I think just to add to that is that, so if you have grown up, you know, surrounded by people who look like you, mm-hmm. right? Most of your, maybe most of your experiences have been with those people. Um, think, and so that that comes with the good and the bad, right? right that comes right. with the praise, the criticism, the judgments, the love. Like how important and how awesome would it be to have a therapist mm-hmm. who looks like that be able to give you that kind of feedback Right. And and that and like have that space for you to hold you like that. Right. Like for some some people really really need that. And I think, you know, for a lot of us um it's we do need that space. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, "Oh, I want a black therapist or I want a white therapist or whatever." I think it it really just de- depend on like what you're hoping for. And sometimes you may not know when you walk in the door. Very true. Okay. You know? Um, what are your thoughts on therapy apps like Talkspace? Okay. So therapy apps, I think are great. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. I think they have their place for certain people, certain things. I'm actually a provider for Talkspace. Oh, nice. Um, Right. So, um, (laughs) I, I think that it has, for some people, that is the thing that's going to work. And it may be, I think for a lot of people, the first point of entry for therapy. Okay. And once you think about like 
convenience, accessibility, cost, all those sort of things are factors that are barriers to people getting into the door. And so if you have something, if you offer on- online services, you know, that can be a lot more accessible for people who may not initially think like, oh, I don't know if this is a good thing for me or not. I don't know if I can sit with a therapist like this is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And and so sometimes things like that can be like good points of entry. Oh, and good. That's you true. You don't know what you're going to get out of it. And, and so that could that could be the one therapy that you then do for the rest of your life or... It could be a form where you say, oh, this is, I have now, I have this positive experience of what therapy is and I kind of know. Now I want to do something else with therapy, you know? Right, right. Yeah. That's so I like that idea that you said that it's like, okay, an app is a great way to like start if you, maybe you aren't ready to see someone face-to-face or just mm-hmm. go in, you know, but just you want to talk to someone about it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so... I have a a more specific reader question, um, which really kind of like broke my heart a little bit. And I said, I I promised her that I would ask you this. So she says, I'm 29 and I lost my mother unexpectedly in August. She was the matriarch of our family and was the glue that held us together. The last four months have felt like the worst in my life. Since her passing, I've lost and not sure of which direction I'm headed. I started attending a grief support group, but I'm thinking of seeing a therapist. Can you provide recommendations on what I should be looking for in a grief therapist? I've never seen a therapist before and want to try and see if it would be good for me. Well, I think uh, first I just have to say I, I haven't lost a parent, so I can't imagine what that is like. Um, Yeah. Just I wrote her back. Think, uh, so sorry. <laughs> right, right, right. It's t- yeah. Like, even just thinking about it, I'm like, man, like, uh, <sighs> yeah, it's powerful. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think at the, at its most basic, if you're looking for a therapist, you want to have someone who has significant experience with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, certifications that, that people can do and like training in the area of grief or bereavement. That's kind of like one of those clinical terms that you may want to okay. look out for. So you can, if you're looking, you can use those two yeah. terms together. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So like you can, you can go on a, a directory site like psychology today, yep. or therapy tribe, or there's, mm-hmm. you can just Google to, um, you know, grief therapist, bereavement therapy, um, I also think my general recommendation also is that for this person, you may want to sort of specifically look for someone who's a little bit older. Okay. Um, And I say that because... I was going to (laughs) ask. Yeah, I say that because when I think that certain things are helped by um, life experience. And I think grief is one of those things in which if you're someone who's lived longer there's probably a greater likelihood that you've also personally okay. had to deal with a lot of grief. Right. Um, and, and granted there's no, like there's no like perfect correlation, but just mm-hmm. in my mind as a person, I'm like, yeah, if I were like thinking about losing a parent, I, I might want to talk with someone who maybe could have potentially lost a parent or lost other people in their lives. Right. Um, so that they could have, again, nuance that, you know, maybe, you know, 31 year old Jarrell therapist doesn't quite have. Right. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. And I did say that I was sorry. And I have a friend who uh, is, is grieving. And I also recommended, um, you know, I think sometimes when it comes to therapy, getting specific about what it is that we're going for. And like Mm -hmm. you said, there are people who specialize in these sorts of things. Yeah. So, Another question is, why do you think there is a stigma uh, regarding seeking therapy in our community? And how do you think we can overcome that? That was a that was a big sort of question for me. And I I always tell my therapist that I I think that I was slightly naive um, about I didn't I mean, I wasn't aware of the therapy stigma as much if you will so I think people thought the fact that I I talked about it so openly like as if yeah. it was a manicure or a trainer because I just <laughs> I just I just saw it as something that was great and amazing that was helping right. me that I needed um and so I didn't know that I should be ashamed of it mm. 
wow, that's just such a different experience than most of the people I run into. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think first I will say that all sort of uh, psychological conditions, the whole community is culturally based, right? Okay. So it's about basically the community defines what's normal and what's not. Okay. Right? So diagnoses, that's what they do. They say, you know, this, you're anxious. Okay, that's cool. But if you cross this sort of threshold and we see this sort of impact, then you, then it's a disorder, right? Mm-hmm. So they define what is normal and what is not. Okay. And so I think that's kind of where the inherent kind of stigma started. Okay. Just because basically you're just already sort of separating people and saying, you know, if you are this anxious, for instance, then you're okay. But if you're this anxious and you've crossed this line, then you're ill. Right. And so that's kind of where the community has been for a while. And I think more people now are starting to see it as like a continuum and saying sure. like, okay, so everyone has anxiety. I have anxiety. Um, right. You know, and so it's about like, how much does that impact you? And so I think specifically um, with black community, people of color, um, one of the things I, I like go back to is I think part of it is fear, yep, um, which is very valid, um, especially when you talk about the historical experiences of black people in medicine in mm-hmm. this country, um, you know, being used for experiments, being, Ugh. you know, like... There is there is a very valid historical fear yes. um, that is passed down generation to generation. So I think part of that really is fear. I also think that the stigma, I think, comes from sort of like we have this legacy of being um, a strong people. Yes. Right. We overcame being uprooted from our home area, our home yes. continent. And made a way in a completely foreign land mm-hmm. where we were chained, beaten, raped, um, used, and abused, right? And so yes. when you have that kind of legacy to then say, I'm feeling anxious today and I can't get out of bed, your parents, grandparents, friends might look at you and be like, are you serious right now? Right, right. right? Your <laughs> like, mom is like, you can't do what? Right. <laughs> Right. And so I think that like a lot of the stigma comes from like having this built in kind of pressure and legacy to be like this strong king or queen who has had ancestors that have survived so much. And so it seems like, you know, when you when you say like, I'm anxious or I had a panic attack, people don't believe it. They say this can't be real because. Like, how come you aren't the same people, you know, the same as those people who went through all that stuff? Like, why can't you do that? Yes. And I think that makes people ashamed of having really any feeling Mm -hmm. that isn't like, oh, I'm cool. Yeah. Right? Right. I don't know. That's kind of how I see it. No, I mean, I really love that explanation. And it it is so true. And I think that we are tasked with being so strong and our mothers were strong. I'll never forget the time that like, the very first time that I had like a serious relationship and me and this guy moved in and I literally was trying to do everything that I watched my mom do, you know, mm-hmm. like take care of children. I mean, I don't have any kids, but I just think my mom had us and mm-hmm. she worked and she did laundry and she cooked. Right. I mean, she did everything. And I was like, I weren't, wasn't taking care of kids, but I was like, well, the fact that I don't have kids, I should be able to do all these things. And right. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't keep up nope. with this. Yeah. <laughs> This is literally laundry is depressing me. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times we are measuring and matching ourselves up to those before us and yeah. and not even realizing that they are going through something. And something mm-hmm. that I talked about that is not in the questions, but like I just think about this for young black women is like, you know, comparing ourselves to our mothers or experiencing parents who are um experiencing parents who we now know as adults are have been uh, suffer from mental illness you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that takes me to another question that i got um that 
you know, if you can handle, if you can handle this, great. If not, you know, however you think someone should handle this, recommend it. She says, my mother has suffered with depression and anxiety for 20 years and has been, has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder in the last three. She will not take her meds consistently. So she is all over the place all of the time in caps. Mm. The relationship she has with me and also my sister is completely damaged due to her unpredictable behavior. She is extremely manipulative, condescending, and just an unpleasant person. I usually leave her presence feeling like a rejected 10-year-old girl who just wants her mother to like her. I have tried to be as compassionate as possible, knowing this behavior stems from a chemical imbalance. Honestly, we are struggling as a family because my dad wants us to stay engaged and keep the hope that she will get better, but I'm completely over it. With all that being said, would it be wrong to distance myself or should I hang on? I have no problem exercising my boundaries in other areas in my life, but I'm really struggling with this. What are your thoughts should I be looking at this a different way? Good question. Yes. Uh, so yes. I, I guess I would, I would ask you what you think first. What would you say? Uh, of course you will. <laughs> of course you will. You know, I think, you know, if I, one of the things that I have struggled with doing this podcast is putting myself out there, but not putting my family out there because I chose this. They don't choose this. Right. So that's That's why it's been very tough for me to be as transparent as I would like to be about a lot of things. Um, but what I can say is that I understand and I can relate. Um, I know what it's like to feel like a rejected 10 year old girl. Um, I know what it's like to have family members that are, um, you know, I hate to say mentally ill, but that struggle with mental Mm -hmm. illness. Mm -hmm. And when someone is not taking their meds and just the position that it puts you in, Mm -hmm. you know, to want to be there for your family, but feeling like, well, who's going to protect me, you know? And when you're left as the only person to protect yourself, um, and the embarrassing feelings that you get, like people expect for you to, like people ask, do you have a sibling? Do you have this? You know, Mm -hmm. people expect for all familial relationships to, to be good because most people's are good. Um, but I, I have been in that space where I have sat there being like, is it okay for me to say, fuck this, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm tired, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. the, 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 the beautiful thing about going to therapy is that, um, it is a, it is a consistent in, is it, it is a constant conversation. Um, that is some, it, I'll say this. It's one of those conversations that is always on my plate. Some, yeah. some, some months or weeks, it's a main and other times it's a side or a condiment. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah. it's something, it's ongoing. Yeah. And, and also I'll say like, I've, I've met with people um, who are in a similar position and may not even like recognize that the parent or family member was actually living probably living with a mental illness. Right. So, right. So people come in and say, Oh, my, my parents used to do this. or my brother used to do this. And I'm like, well, you know, that kind of sounds a lot like, you know, maybe they have like a personality disorder or they've been dealing with bipolar disorder and self-medicating with Mm -hmm. alcohol. And that might explain some of what you've experienced and like, Oh, (laughs) like, yeah. Um, so for this person, if, if they came into my office, I would say um, it is absolutely unequivocally your right to define what is healthiest for you. Ah, wait, wait, uh, like, wait, wait, wait. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> it is absolutely unequivocally your right to decide what is healthiest for you. Amen. Like it's it doesn't matter what that relationship is. Right? right. I think sometimes we feel in conflict with ourselves because, mm-hmm. you know, it's mom and yes. I'm supposed to have these warm feelings or I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z. 
But supposed and shoulds really get you in trouble because right. <laughs> they don't <laughs> they don't really take into account the real circumstances that people are dealing with. And so right. when someone's in my office, I say, listen, you know, your experience is your experience. And that's all that's the information that you have. And that's what you have to work with. So sometimes we kind of have to let go of the cultural baggage that comes with being a son, a daughter, a husband, mm-hmm. a partner, and say, okay, what is actually going to work for me? Right. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't. Right. And sometimes I think it's about finding that balance of, okay, I'm, I can be engaged, but up until this point. Right. Um, and, you know, for this person who asked the question, I say, you know, it may also be about helping hold this person accountable, helping hold the parent accountable and say, listen, I know that you are living with a mental health condition. You know, you've been prescribed treatment that is going to help you. Right. right? So if you're, if you're not holding to that treatment, if you're not trying to do that, then I need to step away in this way. Or whenever you do something that is abusive, I'm going to let you know about it. I'm going to call you out and say, you know, it doesn't matter if you have depression or not. What you're not going to do is All right. <laughs> what you're not going to do. Right. And like, I think that's the yeah. hardest thing for us. And I think about this all the time as little we as black. We to our peers, we see ourselves as black women, black girl magic. Mm-hmm. But to our mothers, we are little black girls. Yeah. And the hardest thing to think is to say, I'm going to look at a parent or I'm going to look at um you know, someone older than me and say, what you not going to do is, and it's tough to say that, but at some point, you know, it was difficult for me because I'm like, why are you struggling to say this when you are 100% responsible for yourself at this point in time? Yeah. You know, and if you are responsible for taking care of yourself, you know, we pay our rent, we pay our mortgages, we pay Mm -hmm. our cell phone bills and all that. We also should feel okay taking care of ourselves, you know, emotionally and just saying, like, this is not, this doesn't work for me. And I think one of the gifts, like my therapist says, I'm, I remember, I never forgot this. She says, I'm going to give you a gift. <laughs> I'm going to give you a gift today. And I'm looking like, wait, what? And she was what? like, I'm going to give you the gift of let me think about it. I used to mm. feel like when people would ask me for things that I know that they knew I had. So people, this is how people would do me. I just bought a new vase from West Down the other day. And then mm. someone says, do you have a vase that I can buy? Like, do you have a West Down vase that I can borrow? And I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> they know I can't lie. They know I yeah. have it. And right. I'm so afraid to say no. And she said, "If since you're so afraid to say no, why don't you lead with let me think about it? And what I've learned from let me yeah. think about it is that people, it sort of triggers people to know that you may be uncomfortable about it or there, mm-hmm. or it's a nice way of saying no. And mm-hmm. when I say, let me think about it, nobody ever asks again. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, um, like a primer. Yeah. Where you say like, okay, so I'm going to think about this, yeah. <laughs> which which sort of gives the person the insight that it may not go their way, yeah. And so then they already <laughs> then they because they probably went in and, and went into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to get this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you say, let me think about it, they're like, oh, so it's a possibility you might say no, <laughs> and so it already creates like this. It already creates that balance of like this could go my way or it could not, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think, you know, for, it's good to create like that safety for yourself, no matter the relationship. And that can look like a lot of different things. You know, I mentioned like calling out problematic behavior. It it could be that it could Mm -hmm. be having a sit down with, you know, mom and saying like, look, I'm concerned. Like this doesn't seem to be getting better. Um, It could be a conference with, family and the therapist and or the psychiatrist to say, this is where we are. Like, mm-hmm. it's not getting better. What are our other options? What can we do? Okay. You know, it could look like so many different things. And I think that, um, you know, f- even for that daughter is, you know, therapy could help you figure out what your role in that is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could help you brainstorm some ways in which you can 
move forward, no matter what you decide that relationship is going to be. Right, right. Okay, yeah. awesome. Thank you, Jarrell, for that. Yeah. Next question, because we've got them. Um, these questions poured in, which made me know that this is something that, and I've gotten so many therapy questions, but it's just, this is a conversation that needs to be had and I'm happy to have it. Um, Same. But this question is, how long should you see a therapist? How do you know when it's time to part ways? I feel like I'm not completely healed, but I think in time it will come. I'm not sure if I need to continue until I feel completely healed from the trauma. Mm. I think it's always tough to figure out when the end point in therapy is. Sure. Like that's just my personal opinion Um, based on my experience is that, you know, for like we were talking about earlier, for some people, if you come in with like a crisis, for instance, mm-hmm. and then the crisis is resolved, you can be like, okay, so it's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you so much. If I need you again, I'll come back and see you. Right. Um, and, but I think when it's like a longstanding issue, like when you've been through um, like a traumatic experience or experiences that you are recovering from, it can be a lot more difficult to um, figure out like, okay, so when, when do I not need this anymore? And I think inherent in the question, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm reading between the lines is that there's an expectation that you're supposed to be done. So what if you don't need to be done with therapy? Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's kind of like my question. And then I'd also say, um, you know, talk to your therapist about it. Mm -hmm. Say, look, like, I don't, if, if this is what healed feels like from therapy, I don't know if I'm okay with that. I don't know if I'm done yet. <laughs> yeah. Like what, like maybe I have more stuff to do. I don't know. And that, that conversation can actually help therapy move too. Sure. Yeah. I think something that I had to learn about therapy was like, and my therapist laughed at me because I am very sort of um, ordered and, you know, checking things off. Are we done mm-hmm. with that? Is this completed? Is this healed? Okay, moving on. Let's heal this, you know? <laughs> and I yeah. remember after my first session, I'm like, okay, so are you going to send me a sort of recap of what we did each week? Like, how? Did, and she's mm-hmm. just looking like, girl, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was more, she explained it like this. She said, because I'm thinking like every week I want a progress report, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to know every week that I'm getting better. Am I getting A's? Mm -hmm. Is I'm getting B's? And she said that we are going to spend the first, you know, and I would even say year it took me the first times that you come, we're going to just be dumping out puzzle pieces. Like, I don't know you, you know, I don't know you. So when you're coming, I'm, you're going to just keep dumping to me so that I can get to know who you are. And, and over the years, we are going to keep moving those puzzle pieces around and Mm -hmm. figure out sort of what your triggers are. Um, you know, why you do the things you do, why you make certain decisions um providing some tools and i think like i'll never forget there was a situation when i first started where one of the reasons i wanted to go therapy is because i made horrible choices with men and when i first started i was in a horrible situation and then i that horrible situation ended and i literally went into another horrible situation that in my mind i knew was crappy Mm-hmm. And I kept looking for her to tell me to stop and she wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. you know, I should not be dating this guy, <laughs> right. but yet I am. And this <laughs> right. carried on for a year and I was, I wanted her to tell me to stop, but she wouldn't, but we would talk about it and we would talk about things. And then I never forgot the day one year later when I finally exhausted myself with this and we didn't have a session set up, but like we scheduled like an emergency sort of like call, like I need to talk mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. And I was laying on my back on my couch and it was almost like she, we were on the phone and it was like, you finally got it. Right. But she let me get it on my own. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that sometimes I, what we're seeking in therapy is we want people to tell us to stop when we, I think you guys know that's not going to stop us. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think she knew like, it's I so can true. say this, you and I both know this is dumb, but right. you're doing it. So right. 
I'm going to talk to you every week about it. And then I finally just hit my, my place. And she was basically kind of explained like the person that you're with is a, is a narcissist. And we just talked about those things and he was the last time, but it was like, think about it. I had been going to her over, it had been two years in of me going to therapy in one bad relationship to another one. And then I finally learned to make better choices. Yeah. But she didn't say, I think people are looking for someone to say, do this, do that. Here's your progress report. Do what I say. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they're helping you with the tools to learn how to make better decisions on your own. Right. And so I always frame therapy as sort of like, this is, um, you are learning to become your own therapist. Ah, yes. Right. It's like, so I'm, so yes, I'm here for you now. I'm going (laughs) to, part of this is teaching. Part of it is supporting. Yes. Part of it is challenging. Right. But once you leave me, my hope is that you're going to be able to say, okay, I can, you can evaluate a situation, see where you are in it, right? See how you might've moved previously in that. And you get to make a conscious decision about what you want to do instead of just operating from whatever your past has told you you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, you know, when you walk away from therapy, you should kind of be like your own therapist. I you know? Yeah. I feel better. Like, I feel like I have become my own therapist and everybody yeah. else's therapist. And I think yeah. my boyfriend gets so annoyed. He even tells her, he even tells his parents, like, she's just too well balanced. Like yeah. he starts and I'm like, is this hurting you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this really about something else? Is this, this right. isn't about what I said. This is about how you feel. And he just like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> right. Here we go. <laughs> Because I look at myself now, you know, when I find mm-hmm. myself getting angry, it's like, am I really mad about this or is this something else? Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's awesome. Okay. So I have, let's see what the time is now. We've, we're at 47 minutes, but um, I have to ask you a dating question because that is what, you know, I cared about and kind of got me in therapy and people want to know about. So yeah. this is a young woman who says, are there any exercises or activities I can practice while I'm single so that I'm ready for my first real serious relationship when it does come? To give a quick background on my dating life, I'm 27 and up until this point, and much to my chagrin, I have always been in situationships. I didn't know I was in them at first. I genuinely thought I was the significant other for these men in the beginning of each situation. But once I realized what it really was, I ran to the hills each time and fast. So I put myself in timeout. I vowed that 2016 would be the year of my very own dating moratorium. No more first dates with any of the men I met online through friends from the events I attended. Nada. I caved out of curiosity twice and went on two dates, but they were God awful. Nonetheless, I'm proud of myself for figuring, figuring out what I like, don't like, need, can live without, etc. Now, 2017 is practically here already, and I'm actually in favor of continuing this moratorium. So are there any other tasks I can give myself in the meanwhile of meeting Mr. Wright to add to the mental list I've created of what I need or what I won't tolerate? Mm, That's a rich question. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I think it's, yeah, like you said, I think it's something that's on a lot of people's minds, especially, you know, I think young women in particular come to therapy a lot about relationships and like, yes, you know, like you said. Um, so I guess my first thing, my first monkey wrench in the question mm-hmm. is to get rid of the term situationships. Um, because okay. I get it. Like it's a cultural sort of like, I'm like, thing. why? <laughs> right. But here's, here's my point is that every interaction that you have with someone is a relationship like okay so right so i think once i think the problem my problem with situationships as a concept is because it enables you to create distance from that where you don't have to assess and evaluate Mm. right so but if you can say actually you know this person who i was sort of seeing and like sexual with for three months but we never called each other boyfriend girlfriend or what have you isn't a real relationship then you you let yourself off the hook. Oh. You get to say, you get to say, 
like, oh, I didn't have anything to do with this. This person was a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of saying, okay, how did I get there? Mm-hmm. What did I do to get there? Why did I stay mm-hmm. knowing that this person, you know, wasn't going to offer me this or, or couldn't do this for me? And I, when I had these expectations for myself right. and what the relationship was supposed to be. And so I think that framing it as like each one of these people is a relationship for you. Mm-hmm. If it meant something to you, that is a relationship. Okay. And so that's like my first kind of thing. I appreciate but, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's just like one of my things. Like, <laughs> what we life. not gonna do is this well, is no, this situation is a situation shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> okay. But but otherwise, I think so. One of my um, a colleague um, who writes about he does he's a sexologist, so he talks about sex and relationships. Okay. And I remember one of the things that he wrote about. Um, it's a really good book, actually. Um, his name is Dr. Chris Donahue. The book is Sex Outside the Lines. Okay. It's all about like unpacking the cultural stuff that we have when it comes to sex and relationships. Yes. So again, sort of like self-determining, like it's okay if you like this and if you like that. And the, the work is about figuring out what works for you individually. And that's okay. No matter Absolutely. what it is really. Sure. Right. So what, one of the things he talked about was like, you know that you're ready for a relationship when you, he sort of said like three questions or he's like, when you're happy with yourself, your career, and your and you have healthy friendships around yeah, you. Yeah, I think I read this. Yeah. And I think I posted like, about this. I need to have him on. Connect, connect. He's awesome. Okay. I, we can talk. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I did. I read this and I posted about this, but I agree because I agreed so much. Yeah. It's like that. I think that's how you know when you're ready mm-hmm. to enter a relationship. And like, because... Any, anyone can be in a relationship, right? Sure. But... Yes, we know. You, <laughs> right. Ugh. If you want to have a healthy relationship, like those are the kind of things that you want to make sure that you have in place before because you don't want to come from a place, like you don't want to be operating from a deficit and saying, I need this person mm-hmm. for X. Yes. Right? Because that's not the point of a relationship. The point of a relationship is that you want someone to be there to share things with. Yes. And they add, they add something to your life. And so often when I talk about it with clients and some of them make fun of me for it, but (laughs) I'm like, okay, think of it as like a cake. Okay. Right. So you have, you're, you're the cake, right? And in order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have this foundation of, uh, you have to be happy with yourself. You have to be healthy. You have to be taking care of yourself. These are the ingredients that you put into that cake. Mm-hmm. Right. It takes time for it to bake. Yeah. Right. So once it's done, you then get to decide, OK, do I want frosting or not? Mm-hmm. And the relationship is the frosting. Yes. You don't need it to have a good cake. But man, if you have it and there's the perfect marriage between that cake and that frosting, you're like, this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. And so that's kind of how I think about it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's really and I love awesome. food, so that's why. Yes. So, uh, do you think that she uh, should she not be worried about any, you know, so she 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 was she was in some relationships that didn't mm. necessarily turn out the way she would have liked, but she has vowed that she's going to just be taking a break. Do you think there are things that people should or could be doing while they're taking a break? Do you think taking a break is necessary? Yeah, I think sometimes I think taking a break is good. Um, okay. Uh, I I guess in general, taking some sort of break is always kind of good, mm-hmm. just so you can like take a step back and reevaluate. Um, because I think if you if you're constantly moving, mm-hmm. like you don't give your time to self reflect. You know, right. like we're like we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So, I would say that in the interim, you know, ask yourself those questions: Do I have these the three things set up, right? Am I happy with these aspects of my life? Right. And if not, um, maybe start working on those. Okay. Um, work on rectifying those. Otherwise I say that could be a great time for therapy. Yeah. Um, it can be a great time to say, to walk into someone's office and say, I don't really have like a crisis, but here's the situation. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I make my next relationship the best one yet. 
Yeah. I think people don't realize that they can go for that. Like that was something that Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about to my therapist is like, at that point, I really have felt like I had never had a sort of successful relationship, even if in the relationships Mm -hmm. that lasted longer, you know, months or years. And it's like, why do I feel like this? And we have spent the time working on helping me choose better, uh, helping me be better in relationships. Like, you know, I didn't, there are some things um, in my past that affected the way I communicated romantically that I just Mm -hmm. didn't even think about. You know, when we start to model our parents or model things that we see friends or family do. And I really like, what I what I have said and what I want people to know about therapy is like I have experienced a level of contentment that I thought was uh, spe- like was for other people. I yeah. I didn't think that I be- like that I would be able like I would look at people who were happily in relationships like for real happy, not fake happy, not Instagram mm-hmm. happy, but people mm-hmm. who were just like truly <laughs> happy, um, truly happy people, people who were truly happy at their jobs or in their businesses and truly happy at home and be like, oh, God, that's for people in movies. And through these years of therapy, it, I feel that. And I think when I say that people think that like, it doesn't mean that conflict and grief and things don't fall on my plate, but it's just the way that I deal with them and the way that I process it is so much different. And I'm so grateful for that. I have the tools like, you know, I'm rarely devastated. Like I used to be so angry and I can't even tell you the last time that I got like seething mad. Like things just don't bother me. Um, But it's also useful. But I think um, as we get ready to wrap up, Jarrell, resources, Um, people who have listened to this and it's like, so what do I do next? If you are looking for a therapist, what are some places, where are some places you can go right now? Yeah. So I, I think the internet really is your biggest friend when it comes to this. Yep. Um, you know, you can do uh, an internet search for, you know, you can type in therapy or therapist and your zip code. And the way Google is set up is that it'll give you local listings for people in your area. Wow. Okay. Um, and so that you can sort of, you can filter through people that way. Um, Psychology Today is a great resource because it sort of similarly works and that yep. it. Um, you type in your zip code or you type in someone's name and it will give you a listing of all the therapists in that area with pictures. It connects to their websites, um, their phone numbers. So it tells you what pricing they have, what, it, what this insurance situation is. So like, that's a really good resource. And there are a lot of, I think there are a few directories like that that you can search for. I think therapy tribe is one of them. Um, there's, there's a few. Mm-hmm. But I will also say that if you have people in your life who you feel like are supportive or who uh, may have already done therapy, mm-hmm. like ask those people for recommendations. Like like you said, Malik, with what happened with you is that someone said, oh, yeah, I think this person would actually be good for you specifically. Yes. And I think that that's like really that's the ideal is mm-hmm. that someone says, you know, um, I think that you and Jarrell would work really well together. So yes. here's his number um, and that sort of thing. Um, but I'd also say like with internet searches, and I know that people are thorough and diligent and mm-hmm. any good therapist today will t- will know that. And so they'll have a website. Yep. They'll have a Twitter. Mm-hmm. They'll have whatever. Like look through that stuff. See if you can get a really good kind of idea about who this person is basically and what their treatment is focused on, what their approaches are, all that stuff is out there for you to see. Awesome. Um, and where can we find you? Give us all your vitals because you have been fantastic and we want to find you, follow you. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Jarell Carabello. Um, that's J O R E L C A R A B A L L O. And I'll po- I'll post it in the <laughs> notes. I'll post it in the podcast perfect. notes too. Perfect. Um, website is jarellcarabello.com. And um yeah, I'm also I also just recently set up the potential to do like one off consultations with folks via uh, video. Nice. So if you just like wanna reach out to me 
you don't know if you want to commit to therapy or you're from a different state, then you can say, hey, can I just book some time with you and let's talk about this? Yeah. I can do that too. Uh, all of that, all that stuff is available through my website. My email is there. Um, yeah. I, and I have a Facebook page as well, which is Jarell Carabello LMHC. Okay. Um, and you can send a note there. So yeah, people can pretty much find me anywhere. But I, I also wanted to mention, I forgot a resource that I think is really good for people because okay. therapy can be expensive. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So there is a collective called the Open Path Collective, which is a group of therapists, psychologists, doctors who say, you know, we want to offer some limited um you know, uh, space for people who may not be able to afford the normal fee. Okay. And so they make an arrangement where people can meet with therapists for 30 to $50 a session. Nice. I'm going to post we, that too. Yeah. It's a, gr- it's a great resource. And that also works, I think by zip code. So you can just, you go to the website, you pop it in and there you go. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so, so much, Jarrell. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. I, I think it's going to be, you have the perfect like therapist voice, by the way. Um, yeah, just very, I love that. <laughs> very soothing, very soothing. So um, thank you so much for your time. And I will post all of your contact info in the notes as well. And you have a great holiday. Thank you so much. Of course. I, I love participating. Thanks. Thank you.